Oh, yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, has a chicken ever looked at us and wondered what we taste like? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests. Somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris... She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather watched the local candle factory burn down in Wyndham, Minnesota this week, but then shocked other witnesses by singing Happy Birthday. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim wondered this week that when a boy is named after his daddy is called Junior. So what do we call a girl named after her mother? Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. What's the answer? I have absolutely no idea. This is the show. More <laughs> questions than answers, ladies and gentlemen. You can write to me at mqta at rocketmail.com and tell me the answer to that question. You may even receive enough points that would make you that week's winner, I suspect. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Keg is a keg. <laughs> Oh, here we go. It's Kim and Greg. (laughs) I'll get there in the end. Grog 
is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a sound engineer and producer and has every possibility of muting my mic at any point during tonight's <laughs> show. It might Gre- happen sooner than you think. <laughs> Greg wondered this week how important he still needs to be and become to be considered assassinated rather than murdered. Should the need for clarification ever arise greg you are an important and integral member of the show it would be an assassination (laughs) (laughs) well thanks i think (laughs) we are believe it or not series two episode 13 i couldn't get away with 13 as our episode without running through some of the fabulous things associated with the number 13 in wicker most covens have 13 members, of course, although some apparently may be fewer. In tarot, the number 13 card is the death card, but most commonly it means nothing to do with death. When people have that card, when I do readings for people, I lay out the spread and I start turning cards over and they see the skeleton on the death card and suddenly, you know, based on Hollywood and the media, they think someone's going to die. And that's not the case with the death card. It means almost a resurrection, a phoenix from the flames, a circle of events in your life that's been going over and over and over again, repeating itself, suddenly ends, and you've got new paths to go down and new beginnings. So it's actually a very good card, in actual fact. 13, of course, is considered to be unlucky. Do you know why it's unlucky for points straight off the bat tonight? Unlucky. Why is 13 considered to be unlucky? No? Are these points going begging here? <laughs> if anyone wants to jump in, do do feel free to do so. But it's due to its association with 13 full moons in a calendar year. Because apparently if there's 13 full moons in a calendar year, that throws all of the religious festivals out. And monks back in the day had terrible trouble fitting everything into a calendar year that had 13 full moons in it, of course. Does that mean... No, wait... A blue moon is just two full moons in one month. In isn't one it? month. And yeah. they don't have them very often. I think the next one is due probably this year, actually. The last one was about 2012, if my memory serves me right. I think you might be They right. only happen every sort of three to four years. But I think no. 2012, 2011, there was a couple in August. You have to have 31 days in the month to start with. One needs to be on the first, and then one needs to creep in on the 31st. And they're very very rare of course there was 13 disciples around the table during the last supper judas being the 13th and apparently when the order was given by king philip the fourth of france to arrest torture and kill the knights templar that was on friday the 13th october 1307 so they believe that there's some element of that in there as well except in italy apparently where 13 is a lucky number who wants to guess what the most unluckiest number is in Italian culture if 13 is their lucky number? Have a guess. Kim, pick a number for me. Seven. Heather? One. Nathan? Six. Greg? Sixty-nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can see what Greg thinks about when he's sat there on his control desk. At the computer. At the computer, yes. You'll go blind. Are oh, those new glasses you've got there, Greg? <laughs> Who said seven? I did. It's 17, and you you are, in fact, the closest, which is my birthday, of course, which is uh, highly amusing. So you should get points straight away, unless Heather tries to talk me out of it and wants you to have minus points, as she did last week. I know something about 13. Um, is it going to be informative and interesting? Yeah. Okay, I'm happy to hear. Baker's Dozen. Yes, that's right. There is a Baker's Dozen, which is 13. One more than allotted, of course, in case, you know, the bread didn't rise or something happened to one of the... One of the loaves on the way. Transit, of course, a baker's dozen 
is, of course, 13. Of course, when you're talking about moon cycles, you can't get away from women as well. And there was a lot written about 13 being an unlucky number because of the lunar cycles and the menstrual cycles kind of combining as one. So unlucky for women, apparently, as well. (laughs) It's unlucky for women to be on board a ship. You know, if you bring women in the old days, if you brought a woman on board a ship, it was deemed to be unlucky. And they were tempting the gods almost to shipwreck them or to see them sunk. So it was very rare. There were occasions back in the day where a heavy storm came up and they were fearing for their life and actually threw the women overboard just to appease the gods. So, uh, again, another good reason not to go out on a ship in the middle of the Atlantic when the weather's bad. Now, we had a series of fabulous... because of the women or the weather? Well, I think either works, to be honest. (laughs) Bobbing around there on the waves with all the nagging. I can see where that can go. Heather's on minus one. (laughs) We did a series of fabulous investigations last weekend. I must tell you about them. I've never done this before in my life. We had a long weekend last weekend. It was Memorial Weekend. We went up to Duluth and Superior, just on the top there of uh, Minnesota, top right-hand corner, nudging ourselves into Wisconsin a little bit. I brought my passport with me. And uh, we did... I've never done this series of investigations. We did five investigations in three days, which is heavy going, and lots of sugar was consumed, and energy drinks is what we lived on. But we investigated a Masonic temple in Superior. I'm amazed we got allowed in there to take photographs and see the inside of a Masonic temple, but we did that investigation. We then investigated Split Rock Lighthouse at the top there of Minnesota. We then investigated Fairlawns, and we'll talk about that in a second, which is a fabulous Gothic manor mansion house there in Superior, which looks incredibly haunted. Just by the outside, you'd have to believe it was haunted. We then investigated the SS Meteor, which is a cargo freighter, uh, the last whaleback cargo freighter in existence, built in 1895. And then finally, late on Sunday night, we found ourselves in a fire station, the Fire Station Museum in Superior. So we did a Masonic temple, a lighthouse, a mansion house, a cargo freighter and a fire station in three days. So if any people in this room at the moment are tripping over their words and you can hear Heather snoring in the background, then uh, you all know why. And if you want to see photographs of those, um, you're going to have to friend me on Facebook. And uh, I've put all of the photographs from those investigations and we will be putting evidence up there. But I just want to go around the room quickly and ask what the highlight Um, was for individuals investigating with the International Paranormal Society um, what your individual highlights were of those five investigations over three days, almost like a charity event. You know, five investigations in three days is madness, but uh, I do remember getting a couple of hours sleep at one point. (laughs) Heather, what was your highlight of the weekend, the long weekend up in Duluth and Superior? From what I can remember, um, I just have a couple of them right off the top of my head because I haven't had a chance to review my photographs or any of my audio yet well the problem is of course that for every hour of investigating we do if you're running a couple of dvrs and there's four cameras going one hour of investigation then involves six hours of evidence review so if you do 40 hours of investigation you've then got a a lot of evidence review to then go through in the months ahead i would suggest yeah (laughs) and i haven't had a chance to do that but right off the top of my head Um, I remember investigating in the Masonic Lodge, which was our first investigation. And um, psychically, I had a name come to me. And we later found out through some brief 
uh, research that he actually existed and he was a member of the Masonic Lodge. That's right. Brief research is in between the vigils outside. We go on Google. Where we go on Google <laughs> with our phones in, in a 10 minute break between. That's the brief historical research, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but he did exist. Whatever Wikipedia has, has to offer us in the 10 yeah, minutes we have was, between vigils. Yeah, it was a first and last name. He existed in the town and he was a member of the Masonic Lodge, That's which right. was fabulous. It's interesting you get a name come to you psychically and then, you know, we looked that up and he was integral to that Masonic Lodge. It's right. very interesting. You know, if you're looking to prove there's an afterlife, there's some very strong evidence there. Um, the second thing I had was um, we investigated, our last investigation was the jail. And what I found interesting about that, actually, there's two things. Well, the jail, before we go any further, they have a police museum as yes. part of the fire station museum. Yes. And yes. they have a jail upstairs they've removed from an old jailhouse. They have the yes. bars and uh, you know, the <laughs> toilet in the corner and the wooden bench to lay on. So Heather's had experience of this in her life. Did it feel comfortable for you? Did you feel at home? I could have slept. I bet you could. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually... Um, we had other members stationed around the outside of this little little cell. And what I mean by little cell, what would you guess? Four by five, maybe? Yeah, maybe five. Yeah, I would say that's pretty Something close. Something like yeah. that. Um, I was on the inside of it during our investigation, which was fun. So I was closed in the cage during our investigation. And we used the shack hack. And we had a name come through, which was Mike Becker. And, you know, if you've ever been on an investigation, you just have random names come and you're thinking, oh, that possibly can't match with anything. Well, it's not John Smith, is it? You no, know, it's very specific. No. But you're thinking, what are the odds that that's actually somebody? What you found when you went up into the... Hall of Fame, yeah. yeah. What used to be the shower block um, in the old fire station for the fire crews up there, they've now turned into a Hall of Fame. So any firefighter in Wisconsin or from that particular fire station who did heroic things, you know, going into buildings on fire to pull out kids and so forth, they have their photograph and their name and uh, it's like a Hall of Fame for the fire service with the, the courage and the things they do up there and uh, in between the vigils I just on a whim thought well let's go to the hall of fame and see if this name is actually up there and I went through all the names in this hallway of all the photographs and all the deeds that they've done courageously and that guy was there yeah. he was actually on the wall and that was a very specific name Mike Becker Becker yeah mm -hmm. so uh, if the Becker family's out there listening we will get in contact with you and we'll tell you that you know there's people asking after him, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's very interesting. And Scott got a scare again. Yes, we did. <laughs> I, I want it noted that that wasn't down to me, but yes, Heather it thought was it was Adrian's funny. Idea. It was not. I tell you, how dare you, madam? <laughs> It's now become a bit of an in thing with our team that if you make Scott scream, you're in the team. So people are now randomly jumping out of cupboards at him. And the poor guy's a bundle of nerves. He's, on, he's been on Prozac all week, poor man. And I just want to say thank you to Scott. He did a fabulous job. Yeah, absolutely. With, uh, yeah. His last hair it. turned grey as well because I see him take his shirt off. This is true. So uh, well done, Scott. And uh, you have my sympathies because if someone jumped out of me on a paranormal investigation... I would not be a happy bunny <laughs> is where we are. Greg, what would you like to bring up? Is there anything that you, you can think of that springs to mind as, a, as an event that took place over the weekend? Well, first off, I want to thank Scott again. We do give him a lot of grief, but he did a really I great, love him. A great job this weekend <laughs> lining everything up. I've been in this country long enough that we're allowed to take, make jokes about people that come from Wisconsin. So, you know, <laughs> it may only be across yeah. the bridge, but the fact is, you know, he's on enemy soil over there. Well, first, I think you're going to talk about the Fairlawn. Yeah, we was investigating in Fairlawn 
Um, it's a massive, massive manor house. It's in fact one of the most impressive mansion manor houses I've ever investigated in this country. The, the interior is just incredible. It looks like a giant game of Clue. You could get lost. Oh, yeah. In fact, there was a moment, Greg, when I was walking around taking photographs on my own before we started baseline photographs, and I stumbled across Greg on the second floor, and I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I was told to put some cabling and some cameras in the master bedroom. I've been walking around for twenty-five minutes." Where's the master bedroom? <laughs> if I hadn't have found him, he'd still be wandering around now. I told him to leave breadcrumbs so he could follow himself back. But it was that kind of building. It was very large. A couple of things then, that if Greg wants me to bring this up, there's a disused swimming pool in the basement of all That's things. That's creepy. And it's not been filled with water since the 1920s. Now, this house got converted into a children's home stroke orphanage. So you're in this big gothic manor house there's a creepy disused drained swimming pool in the basement everything's 1920s it used to be a children's home and an orphanage it's got everything going for it in terms of looking haunted but a couple of things spring to mind did you want to talk briefly greg about what we've just listened to what we picked up on the uh, dvrs when we were down there it sounded like somebody was wading around in the pool or dragging their hand around, kind of splashing a little bit, and it continued. And this was, we could hear it with our own ears. There was no other equipment running at the time, no shack hacks, no nothing. So, Yeah, we got residual sounds for about three to four minutes continuously of someone splashing around in a pool. I mean, it couldn't have been water in the pipes. It literally sounded, we could hear it in real time, as Greg said. There was someone splashing around in the pool. It was quite definite that was happening and the pool hasn't been filled i believe since the 1920s but i i've got some notes in front of me i'm just going to run through them very quickly we were using the ghost box or the shack hack there in the swimming pool area and i just want to run through the transcript with you very quickly because it's incredibly interesting um i asked if anyone was there and it said uh, every time i see you and i said every time you see me what and it said when i'm talking and then it said i'm dead so it's given me the uh the power to use the word by bringing it up first and i said are you dead he said yes i'm dead and then it said there's little kids down here and uh, i then said to him you know you sound sad you sound unhappy and he said i'm dead so he continued along this theme of i'm dead um i then asked us you know is there anything you know we can do for him and he said i'm sick of the questions and uh, I said, well, is there kids down here playing around? Because when it was an orphanage, the kids obviously weren't allowed down into the basement. And I said, are there kids down here? And he said, yes. I said, are they going to get into trouble? He said, no. Um, I then said, do you know who I am? Because he shouted my name out at one point. Um, he shouted out a word beginning with D that I can't possibly repeat live on air on Dark Matter Radio. But uh, it's a four letter word beginning with D and isn't very friendly. Um, he then said, I want you to go home. So whether that was back to England or just to where I'm living in Minnesota remains to be seen. I said, would you like me to go back to London? And uh, he never replied to that. I then said, what's your name? And he said, I've told you already in the last seven minutes. So whole sentences we're getting here. I said, did you used to work here? He said, yes. I said, when did you work here? And I'm looking for a date, thinking 1912, 1910. He said, Wednesday mornings. So uh, very specific. And I said, what did you do here? And twice he said the word grass so i'm guessing he was working outside and probably had the task of cutting the grass back in the day probably with a scythe or something similar he then said ghost so again he's given me the power to use the word i wouldn't necessarily bring that up unless the spirit gives me the word to use 
And I said, well, what do you want to tell me about ghosts? And he said, I'm afraid of ghosts, which is very interesting. I said, but you're a ghost as well, aren't you? And he said, yes. So we're now in a situation where he says he's a ghost, but he's also afraid of ghosts. And I said, are the ghosts bothering you then? And he said, yes, and said the word spirit twice. And I said, well, why are the ghosts afraid of you? And he said, it gets cold and they talk a lot. So we have a situation where we have a ghost who's actually complaining to me that the other ghosts that are with him are causing him distress and are causing him bother because they make a lot of noise and they make him cold, which is quite remarkable. I then said, is there anything you'd like us to do for you to help you? And he said, pray. And uh, we might play some of this audio next week, hopefully. There's a section where he very clearly says, you know, I want you to bring God. So at that moment, we stopped our vigil and we did all pray for him um, on mass there. And we did a five minute prayer. And, uh, you know, we get to see what happens next, I guess. We need to do a follow up investigation. But it was very interesting. I wanted to read that out for you. Just so you got a flavor of uh, the idea that this ghost knew he was a ghost, yet was bothered by other ghosts that were down there as well so it looks like you can be haunted by ghosts even when you're a ghost yourself so we've all got something to look forward to in the afterlife and i just want to thank the ladies at fairlawns if anyone gets a chance it's a fabulous building and uh, i want to thank uh, kelly judith and katie for spending time with us and brad for helping us um, on that particular evening and i'm looking forward to working with them in the future and they're very professional very friendly and if you get a chance to uh, go out there to Superior, I would recommend a tour of the house. It's a fabulous building and uh, certainly worth a visit. We run into the first round with our flashlight in our hand and our notepad and our DVR, which is a round of ghosts and hauntings. I will start tonight's proceedings. There are points to be won with a title of a new story here that says lover who suspects girlfriend is cheating says she blames other men's voices on ghosts. In one of the most bizarre Jeremy Kyle episodes in its 10-year history, Jeremy Kyle's a bit like Jerry Springer in Britain, okay. so it's that kind of TV is what we're getting here. Right. In one of the most bizarre Jeremy Kyle episodes in its 10-year history, a suspicious boyfriend says his girlfriend reckons the men's voices he had heard down the phone are ghosts. Gary says he's desperate to find out if his girlfriend of 14 months has been cheating on him and if he's really the father of their seven-week-old daughter. He's convinced he heard Shay with other men while they've been on the phone to each other. But Shay insists that it's not other men, it's in fact ghosts. Gary is also not sure if he's the father of baby Frere because she's white with blue eyes and straight hair, while he is mixed-raced with an afro. An incredulous Jeremy Kyle tells Gary to explain to the audience what Shay's excuse was when he confronted her about the voices he had heard. It was a ghost in the toilet, he tells the shocked audience i've been haunted by a few bad mexican meals in the toilet to be fair to call a priest on one occasion which was unfortunate <laughs> she then comes onto the stage to explain her side of the story my blackberry messenger picked up a voice message and there was a whisper in the background even i heard it have you cheated the host presses no i haven't he accuses me of that all of the time she says Shay then says she reckons it's Gary who is the one who's been cheating. I've read loads of messages saying he loves other girls. Then the host delivers the results of the DNA and lie detector test. It turns out Shay has never cheated on Gary and Gary has never cheated on Shay. And that is an hour of my life. I will never <laughs> get back. Excellent. It would have been far more interesting, wouldn't it, if they'd have actually carried on 
to continue that story and actually talk about the ghosts rather than these two on Facebook going backwards and forwards with all their friendshiping in. Absolutely. They could have spent an hour investigating because at the end of that, it's not actually addressing the point that both of them were being faithful. So where were the men's voices coming from? Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. They could have spent an hour going back over all of the evidence and looked at why there was men's voices in their phone conversations when both of them say that they've not been with anyone else. And the light, I'm just sat here thinking that's an hour of my life. I will never get back reading that out and watching that when they should have addressed it too. The things I have to do for more questions than answers, <laughs> the stuff I have to trawl through on a, on a daily basis, hour by hour, to pick out the jewels of the best stories of the week. To be fair, even a piece of glass looks like a diamond in a dung heap. But having said that, I do take my job very seriously and I plough through the news of the week and watch all the TV shows from around the world. You mean you don't do that? No. Okay. This is why you don't win very often, then, I'm guessing. <laughs> That's terrible. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I have an actual ghost, unlike you. <laughs> Bear in mind you're on minus one. Haunted house staff spooked by a ghostly girl. The 13th floor haunted house in San Antonio has become home to more than just actors and ghost props. Alongside the actors dressed as spooky assailants, eerie audio cues and ghostly scenes that meet those who venture inside San Antonio's popular 13th floor haunted house attraction lies... 13 again, you see that theme of the day, 13. ...lies a very real ghost story that has left even the building's own staff members running for the exit. The peculiar mystery surrounds sightings of a strange young girl who has now appeared so often that many visitors have come to believe that she is actually part of the show. I have customers who will come out and say the best actor in the whole play is the little girl who jumped out at me, says General Manager Greg Cyrilis. These are actors who scare people for a living that were so scared that they quit their job and left. (laughs) In one incident, actor Joden Lambreras recalled hearing a child's playful laughter before turning to a small girl standing in his work area. He had initially assumed her to be another one of the actors until the figure mysteriously disappeared when someone else entered the room. Imagine saying, wow, that's impressive. That actor just disappeared. (laughs) It's all done with smoke, mirrors and magnets, madam. Yes, and holograms. It reminds me of a story we did over a Halloween period last year where an old gentleman wandered into a Halloween house and died and no one found him for two weeks. His body was sat as a rotting corpse on the floor of the Halloween house and kids would come up and poke it with a stick thinking it was part of the exhibit and complained of the smell. And it was after two weeks they found... It wasn't just the smell. Don't you remember the story? It was because one girl literally did touch him and the goo got on her. Yes, his arm came away from its socket like like an overcooked chicken where you're just taking the leg off. Yes, this I do recall. Runny goo. Got on the little girl. Yes, and everyone was screaming. Yes, and the mother was horrified. Yes, and it's the best $5 she's ever spent. That's right. And apparently the girl's in therapy. (laughs) The little girl has even shown up for the crew of a reality TV show that had been filming in the building. They had been investigating the basement when, upon leaving, they thanked Silers for the little actress in the white dress they assumed had been working there. No known incidents involving a little girl in the building have ever been reported, but a history stretching back 110 years, the possibility always exists that something might have happened there. There's always a little girl in a white dress. It's either a monk, a nun, or a girl in a white dress. To date, nobody has been able to determine who the girl is 
or where she might have come from. There we go. Horror. And very Hotter. interesting. I shall give you two points. You now have an a positive... An actual ghost. An actual ghost. ghost in a ghosts real, and hauntings. I know. You're now on one. You're on a positive <laughs> integer. This is how this show works. You are in parity with Kim at the moment. What have you got, Kim, in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Similar story. Ghosts scare staff away from luxury rental building. Dorman have been quitting their jobs at a luxury rental building in Brooklyn that was once a hospital, sources said, spooked by eerie visions, sounds, and even smells, sparking talk that the high-rise is haunted. The 123 on the park building on the southeast edge of Prospect Park was built on the site of the Caledonia Hospital, which closed in 2003. I love the way they build these places on, like, you know, burial mounds or asylums or TB hospitals and then wonder why the place is, like, back crazy haunted it just you know you have so much land in this country i don't understand why you've got to build something in an area like that is remarkable uh, a little side note i saw a little story that said yes is where you jump in and try and get no, points from no, kim by giving us a side story okay so you don't want points for this no okay uh there is a va cemetery yes. that they are considering moving just so they can put in a walmart there you go. And I can't remember. Where I wouldn't that's want to at, work in there late on a I Friday know, night. I know that's oh. what I'm thinking. That's terrible. There's that's kinds of weird things wandering around the aisles in Walmart anyway. Without it being built on a graveyard, can you <laughs> that's imagine? True. Clean up Who's in aisle. Scare who? <laughs> yeah, that's right. All the ghosts are too scared to come out. Clean up in aisle two. That's terrible. Do continue, Kim. I apologise for the sorry. interruption. In fact, uh, Heather apologises for do, the interruption. I do, I do. And I just apologise for the last one. You can go. I'm going to try. Okay. You're on <laughs> Are you one. Ready? Yeah, you're on one. I'm ready. I'm <laughs> After developers transformed the Flatbush building into a luxury rental and reopened its doors in July 2014, tales emerged of strange voices and mysterious footsteps, which are being blamed on the ghosts of former patients. At least three doormen have left in the past six months, according to a janitor who works in the building. Alexandra Sepanovic, Managing Director of Ideal Properties Group, confirmed that there has been high staff turnover at the building and said they've had issues renting. One doorman who still works there told a superintendent in a nearby building that on the park is a messed up place to work because it's haunted. He said he was doing routine security walks in the basement and the back of the building, and every time he would go down there by himself, he would hear footsteps echoing around him. He told me he felt like a presence was following him. Wow. So if you want a cheap apartment, that is the place to be, apparently. I have one more story tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. It says, terrifying ghost appears behind Angler as he poses with his prized catch. A ghostly apparition appeared in the background as a fisherman posed for a photograph with his prized catch. It's the ghost of all the fishes killed over the last few years and they're exacting revenge upon him apparently a terrifying face can be clearly seen behind wayne folks as he folds holds even have you ever folded a fish no origami with fish give me 10 minutes with a sardine and i'll have you a little ducky there you go <laughs> as he holds the 16 pound carp in wrexham north wales the angler was delighted after reeling in the fish but his joy turned to surprise when he saw the ghoulish orange face behind him could it be the ghost of george hamilton or a oompa loompa <laughs> councillor paul pemberton says the pond has a grim past though the mysterious image has left locals scratching their heads paul said i couldn't believe it when i saw it 
but is 100% a genuine photograph, and you can clearly define the eyes, nose, teeth, and the whole of the face in the background. I know there have been a couple of suicides in that water, and it really does have a grim past. In the last 30 years, there was one guy who lost his life there, and another lad called Owen, who is believed to have committed suicide there too. But it's a mystery as that place is in the middle of the village and is surrounded by houses, and this is the first report we have had of any ghosts. It's certainly brought a smile to people in the village and i'm sure we might get the ghostbusters around here soon i suspect every mar and par paranormal team is going to be on the banks of that pond soon and you won't be able to move for fishing tackle k2 meters dvrs and maggots it was suggested on our facebook wall if people want to see this photograph they can visit our facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee and uh, there was a gentleman on there that said it looks native american and i would agree with that other than the fact that we're a bit thin on native americans in the north wales region but if people want to see that it is available for them to see we run into the round into the field with our laser pen looking up at the skies it is the round of ufos and crypto zoology it's hairy beasties and green men heather what have you got for me in the round of ufos and crypto zoology did you know that the uk police kept secret files about sci-fi fans I had no knowledge of that at all. So somewhere, the police have a file on me. I often forgot. Maybe. uh, maybe. This is why I had to leave the country and while I'm working here. I'll never be able to teach again. I told the judge I was just pushing the goat through the fence, but no one believed me. (laughs) I often wondered. I used to do shows like this many years ago from Britain, and I would phone them in to American radio stations like K-Talk. And I did wonder that over the course of doing an hour over the phone from Britain at 3 o'clock in the morning, that if there was key words that I would say, like UFO, ghost, I don't know, some sort of sexual men related... Men in black. Men in black, that somewhere the FBI would trigger some sort of, you know, you've hit key words in a sentence. I wondered how many times the FBI had recorded my TV broadcast or radio broadcast from the phone in Britain, laying in my bed with my mother snoring next door with a cup of hot chocolate, because I had said so many key words in the course of an hour, so it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere... There is a file with all those things on. Well, there you go. UFOs. (laughs) Scotland Yard once believed that Star Trek fanatics had the potential to go mad and turn against society. What do you mean have the potential to go mad? They're all nuts, I tell you. (laughs) On the face of it, there would seem to be nothing threatening at all about the stereotypical Trekkie. Yet back in the 1990s, police in the UK had found it necessary to keep a special dossier documenting the potential for fans of TV shows such as Star Trek and The X-Files to suddenly go mad and kill either themselves or other people at the turn of the millennium. Wow. Lesser-known shows such as Dark Skies and Roswell also prompted similar concerns from law enforcement. The dossier, which was entitled UFO, New Religious Movements and the Millennium, was created in the wake of the mass suicide of the Heaven's Gate cult back in 1997. Remind me. I have no idea what that is. There's mass cults committing suicide all the time, I believe. I, that that wasn't where they put poison in the Kool-Aid, was it? In the lemonade? No. I can't the recall. Heaven's Gate was in Guyana. Guyana. More, more research yes. is needing to be done. This is more questions than answers, and Heather hasn't done her research, as we've already <laughs> previously discussed. I, th- I think you just turn up to these shows. You go on your phone 20 minutes before we go into the studio. That's how I do my research for the investigations, too. Is it really? <laughs> wow. 
I think we might have to have some sort of appraisal on, on you know, I'm going to cut your wages in half. <laughs> half of nothing is still nothing. I know, right? It just gives me the satisfaction that I've chopped your nothing into nothing. <laughs> the main concern was that people hooked on these TV shows had the potential to act out in relation to the plots and themes of the episodes and subsequently form their own suicidal cults. So somewhere in Birmingham, there's They're a guy who the wants, to, yeah, wants to kiss a green alien. That's right. Fuel is added to the fire by television dramas and feature films mostly produced in America, so now they're blaming it on us. Um, These draw together the various strands of religion, UFOs, conspiracies, and mystic events, and put them in an entertaining storyline. To be fair, when you say they're blaming it on us, they are American TV shows you've just read out. Yeah. And you are all mad over here. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And? (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Obviously, this is not sinister in itself. What is the concern is the devotion certain groups have and individuals ascribe to the contents of these programs. Last summer, last spring, I went to the Jewel Caves in South Dakota, and there was a very elderly park ranger (laughs) who took me around the caves. And I have to say, he was almost doing a William Shatner impression all the way around and i could not stop yes. laughing to the point where i got told off and if i continued to laugh they'd kick me off the tour so he would say he would sit there this was his retirement job so he's dressed up like the ranger from yogi bear and i can't do a william shatner impression so i <laughs> i apologize to all the listeners before we uh, continue to all the trekkies to all the trekkies out there but he's he's uh, commentary and he must have done this a million times in his life. These commentary on the caves. We're down there in the darkest depths of South Dakota and you can hear the dripping and they do all the cliche things where they turn the light off and to show you how dark it is. Ooh. So we, this is a kind of uh, the dialogue we're getting. You can tell by the magnesium deposits in the stalactites that we have a very high iron ore content. You can see from the, I'm like this whole thing went on like William Shatner. You were I, laughing the whole time. I nearly wet myself. I, I did. Was, Would you I was, like to tell them the other thing that happened? Well, the first thing the ranger said was not to pick anything up and don't <laughs> touch any of the rocks. So of course I have a collection of stones and crystals. I carry them around with me. So in the pitch darkness, I'm thinking, oh, it'd be fun to grab a magnesium deposit. I'll stick it For in my pocket. Memory. For memory. So uh, in the darkness, I'm fumbling around. I find what I believe is a magnesium deposit. It, I stick it in my pocket. Anyway, an hour later, we come out of the caves, blinking into the sunlight. I'm black, absolutely <laughs> black, like Al Jolson. And apparently magnesium deposits are black, like coal. And I've been picking my nose, rubbing my eye, scratching my ear. I looked terrible and I had it all over my pockets. I went for a wee and didn't know it. I had like black fingerprints all the way around my zipper. Well, that's why I said it it was was funny. It was funny. I had to throw away a pair of white boxer shorts. Shocking. (laughs) I told you not to touch the rock. I know. I was picking my nose and I was about to sing a couple of bars of Swanee River, apparently. But that's why you shouldn't be touching magnesium deposits in caves in South Dakota. I have a story here that contains UFOs. It says, is it a UFO or a birdie? TV cameras film dish shapes soaring above the PGA Tour. A strange UFO has been captured on camera as it hovered in the sky above spectators at a US golf tournament. Television viewers watched the Players' Championship, part of the PGA Tour, held in Ponte Verde Beach, Florida. Always happens in Florida, doesn't it? If you notice, each week, we should just have a section called It Happened in Florida. (laughs) 
<laughs> Notice the mysterious object as the camera panned into the air to follow one of the golf shots. Have you watched golf on the TV? You see the guy take a swing, everyone's clapping, and then you get like five seconds of seeing clouds, and then they show a green and you're trying to search for a ball. It's very interesting. Not. The baffled viewer told the Mutual UFO Network, when you see the pictures, people may think, oh, that's a blimp. But after seeing the blimp in other clips, I can easily conclude it's not a blimp. That's a great word, isn't it? Blimp. (laughs) That's gone to number three of my all-time best words now. It's overtaken puddle and apple pie. It's gone straight into number three. It's going to have to go some way to beat assiduity, though. The anonymous viewer added, I also looked for other aircraft flying by and nothing seemed plausible. The object did have a reflective surface. You can also notice the object appeared to be very high in altitude for any aircrafts being used for the tournament. But others are not so convinced, concluding that the object appears to change shape in the air, prompting speculation that it's simply a bird in the middle of a wing stroke. So one of those metallic high altitude shape-shifting birds you see everywhere in Florida, no doubt. If you wish to see a high-altitude, metallic, shape-shifting bird, you're more than welcome to do so. If you go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, all of tonight's stories are there for you in glorious Technicolor, complete with photographs, video footage, and probably lawyer's fees. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Have scientists just spotted Stonehenge-style standing stones on a comet? Cameras on the Rosetta space probe have spotted what appears to be a huge Stonehenge-style standing stone on the surface of a comet. One of the rocks, a huge boulder with a diameter of around 90 feet, appears to be balanced precariously on the comet 67P Churyumov. Give me a break on this. Has it got any vowels surface. Go for it again. Has it got any vowels in it? No. Let's hear it. Let's hear it again. Because your teeth fell out. She had to put them back in again. If you heard a clumping sound, that was her teeth falling out. Churyumov. Oh, there they go again. Jurasimenko. <laughs> okay. We had noticed this formation already in earlier images. However, at first, the boulders did not seem to differ substantially from others we had seen, says Osiris scientist Sebastian Bess from ESA, who first noticed the formation. How this apparent balancing rock on the comet was formed is not clear at this point. The scientists believe that the rocks may have moved from their original location due to transport processes on the surface. The researchers say scattered boulders are seen in many places on the comet's surface, sometimes in otherwise relatively smooth regions. One of the largest, Cheops, measures approximately 45 meters in size and sits in the middle of the smooth part of Imhotep on the underside of the comet's large lobe. In other regions, it is more common to see rubble piles comprising hundreds of boulders. The scientists hope that further detailed imaging of the rocks and other formations on the comet's surface will reveal more information. It's going to be awfully difficult to land on a comet, mess around with boulders and rocks like monoliths, and then take off again. I mean, these things are travelling at thousands of miles an hour. You can't just walk onto one. Do you know what I mean? It's almost Bruce Willis did it. (laughs) Bruce Willis did it. (laughs) So it must be true, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Points to be awarded to heaven. I I don't know what size of the... The probes that they've put on them, I, don't, I have no idea what size those are, but those sit on them and go for however many miles and at whatever speed, and that's how they discovered that the gases on the comet is what causes the odd formations. There you go. Knowledgeable Kim will receive points. At least it's not a giant black monolith. That would be even worse. That's Arthur C. Clarke's 2001 Space Odyssey, isn't it? You're looking at me as if you've never been to the cinema before in your life. Someone nod and say, yes, I've seen that film. Yes. Fantastic. Kim shall have more points. 
It says here, mystery flying spirit orb caught on camera twice at the Space Museum. Charlie Mars, the president of the US Space Walk of Fame Museum. That's the best name ever, isn't it? For someone who runs a space museum, Charlie Mars. There's a vice president as well, apparently, called Johnny One Stall. One Stall. <laughs> Johnny One Stall. Johnny One Small Step for Mankind is his vice president, according to uh, my research. He added, there are many items in here that were brought in by people who are no longer with us. They could be coming back to check on it. So Astronaut Ghost is where we're going with this, and it sounds like an episode of Doctor Who. One possible answer is that the orb is a giant floating dust ball, but officials said all air conditioners were switched off. And, of course, once the air conditioners are switched off, you get no dust at all, right? What they should do is bash one of the sofas and chairs, take some photographs, and look at all the spirits they've set free. Having the mysterious occurrence in this building didn't perturb Mars. He said, we love having something come in that is unexplainable. And it gives us a chance to interchange with each other and talk about what it possibly could be so space scientists not willing to believe in ufos and aliens but are happy to embrace the idea of ghosts apparently (laughs) for more informative paranormal madness please stay tuned after these short messages from our sponsors the lakes area paranormal interest group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal the group's primary focus is on the topic of ufos but they also delve into alien abductions cryptozoology Bigfoot, crop circles, ghosts and folding fish. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos, metallic birds at high altitude. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who's landed on a meteor or comet and moved the furniture around, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend, that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania for the annoying inability to say Abominable Snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. 
And if you go to soundcloud.com and search for MQTA Radio, you will hear all of our archives and our shows of the last two years, plus an extra 20 to 25 minutes on all of our shows that we can't possibly read out live on Dark Matter Radio on a Friday night for fear of being removed and for common decency. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has now thankfully stopped snoring from the room next door. We move into the round that is strange and bizarre. Heather, you are currently on four points. I am on four points. Kim is nudging into the lead with a resplendent six. And Greg has scored one point for defining what water sounds like in a DVR. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of strange and bizarre? vampire healing could help mend old bones the blood of the young possesses special healing properties that disappear as we get older scientists had long believed that broken bones take longer to heal in the elderly due to the way the bone cells deteriorate with age but now researchers have found that it is actually the age of the person's blood that dictates how long the healing process takes Experiments using mice have revealed that younger blood cells produce a unique molecule, most likely a protein, that is responsible for speeding up the healing of fractured bones. So is it possible then that we could take young people's juices, inject them into old people's juices, and their bones will heal better? Yes. So, Greg, have you ever... No, I won't go there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But everybody knows what we're thinking. It turns out that it's not the bone cells, it's the blood cells, said study co-author Benjamin Allman. As you get older, the blood cells change the way they behave when you have an injury. And as a result, the cells that heal the bone aren't able to work as efficiently. The discovery means that it may be possible to aid the healing of a broken bone by giving an elderly patient a transfusion of blood from a young donor. It may even be possible to find a technique to reactivate these additional healing capabilities in blood cells no matter how old they are. If they could never behave like young cells again, or young cells again. Young singles. Young cells. If there's any young singles around there that want to be introduced to an old person's juices. (laughs) And they were too worn out to produce bone the way they should, it would be really hard to change that, said Allman. But these results show that this is a solvable problem. Now it's a matter of figuring out how best to make it work. To make bones grow. Yes. Vampire healing. This is like Cocoon, isn't it? With Steve, is it Steve Gutenberg? The film Cocoon. Do you recall that? Back in the day, there's going to be old people running around. They're going to be wanting to vote next and go out and do things. It's going to be outrageous. No longer will they be sat in front of daytime soap operas, listening to the sound of two people prattling on about whether or not someone's cheated them on Facebook when there's really a ghost in the room. You shall have points for being informative (laughs) and interesting. Vampire healing. There you go. Perfect. I have a story here that says, Charlie, Charlie, challenge. Top five strangest questions asked to demon in bizarre internet craze. A new Twitter craze sparked by claims a simple ritual can summon the spirit of a Mexican demon called Charlie. Obviously a very common name in Mexico, Charlie. You get lots of Charlie Sanchez's and Charlie Fernandez, don't you? Has been sweeping the internet. A Ouija board inspired game called the Charlie Charlie Challenge. That sounds very fun, doesn't it? I want to do the Charlie Charlie Challenge. And then Go on you, then. And then you summon up a Mexican demon. Has surged across the social media, prompting vast numbers of youngsters to claim they have successfully communicated with a sombrero rearing spook. Participants take part in the hope of asking Charlie yes or no questions, and many have posted their queries online. 
The tradition involves placing two pencils on a piece of paper in the shape of a cross before writing the words yes. Well, don't tell them how to do it. And no. Inside the four squares, well, people have a decision to make. They can either summon up Charlie or they can't summon up Charlie. I'm not in charge of what people do. I'm Parental just, advisory. Yes. Be careful with a Mexican and two pencils is my advice. The tradition involves placing two pencils on a piece of paper in the shape of a cross before writing the words yes and no inside the four squares. So obviously this Mexican Charlie can speak English then. I was going to say, shouldn't it say C and what's the other one? C in fresh air, C in the beach, C, no, seesaw, C Marjorie yes. door. Yes. No. So it's no. No. I've no idea. <laughs> what? If the pencil moves and points to yes, Charlie is in the house and you can draw upon his demonic life experiences and ask him for guidance in the form of yes and no questions. Then you can spend the rest of your life in a demonic induced stupor as your whole life in every area hits the rocks as Satan and his Mexican minions ruin any semblance of happiness and destroy any light and love. So fun for all the family there on a Sunday afternoon. Apparently more people are now wandering around looking for Charlie than backstage of the New York fashion show. Kim! Whatever happened to Monopoly? <laughs> Connect four. <laughs> It'd be fun play. What's the game Kaplunk where you have to pull out the cocktail sticks and the balls drop? You could do that with demonic entities. Fun games to have with ghosts and spooks. There you go. Battleship. It'll be another game I can lose at to someone else, but this time they'll be dead. Wouldn't it be fun playing battleships with someone that died on a battleship? That would no. be No, okay, apparently not. I've overcrossed and stepped the line. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Strange and Bizarre? A sword-wielding man dressed as an elf stabs a car after taking LSD and ecstasy. An elf. <laughs> an elf. You've got to be careful of these drinking ecstasy, ecstasy elves. Ecstasy <laughs> I love you. You're my best friend, you are. Let me have a go on your fishing rod. That's gnomes. Okay, I'm getting my small elemental creatures muddled up. It's my own fault. I never did the research. <laughs> Conrad Alden Bass, 31, told Court he climbed onto a red BMW, stabbed it, and slashed its tires because he thought it was a dragon. They do. They look like them. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> they do in Wisconsin. I've seen them, I tell you. He had taken an immense amount of drugs, according to an attorney, including ecstasy, LSD, and cannabis. Cops raced to the scene after the terrified driver and her daughter, 16, managed to drive off. With slashed tires. Yes. Okay. Bass, who has bipolar disorder, was charged with causing <laughs> oh, almost $4,000 no. worth of damage to the car and obstructing traffic. Before the attack, he went clubbing with friends, but they abandoned him during the night, he said. And, Why? Left, and left him with the seals. <laughs> I've got time. I'm here all week. <laughs> so he started walking through traffic, wearing elf ears, carrying a wooden cross, and wielding a sword. He told various people, including cops and his attorney, he was Jesus, the emperor of the world and a rock star. Wow. And an elf. That's a good pension, though, those three jobs, to be fair. It's a lot of hours, what, what though, is, is what it? I'm saying. He's, he's Jesus. Jesus, yep. That's obviously a lot. Jesus, a, the emperor of the world and a rock star. Like I'm saying. And a rock star. And a rock star. And an elf. I know. And, yes. That's what I'm saying. I wonder what union he belongs to. You'd have a choice, wouldn't All you? All of them. All of them. Every single one. I bet he's busy at the weekends. And around Christmas. Oh, of course. What, so what does Jesus do around Christmas? <laughs> You're talking about the elf aspect. He or gets, both. Or both. I think Jesus only has to be born. I don't think he's required to do anything, is he? <laughs> when I was a child, I could never work out how we celebrated the birth of Christ at Christmas. 
and then kind of, you know, talked about and, you know, rejoiced in the resurrection in Easter. And I'm thinking, Christ, he was only four months old. He managed to cram in a lot, didn't he, in that amount of time, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I also thought at the end of all our prayers, we said old man, because I thought we were thinking about old men that fought in the war. So at the end of every prayer, I'd say old men. I don't know why. Because you spoke with an English accent? There you go. Old <laughs> men. Is there any more there, Kim, or are we done for the night? Uh, I wanted to mention that he had no previous criminal convictions, and he told the court he wasn't trying to hurt anyone. And then later, these are quotes from Bass. He said, to apologize for causing this whole mess and wasting everyone's time. And he said, I hope you all learned a lot. I learned a lot myself. We've reached the final round in tonight's show, which is called Not For Your Mother. This is the part of the show where your mother should be escorted from the room if she is easily offended or she has delicate sensibilities if there are any minors around or small children that you do not wish to hear the airwaves of innuendo and sexual connotations now would be the time to remove them and put them to bed tuck them in read them a story give them some milk and cookies and then come back to listen to the round that is not for your mother heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother i shall read this word for word so don't get mad at me Okay, I see that you have a telephone directory in front of you. Yes. Good luck. Museum's broken treasure is not just any old shit. Okay. You happy? Where did that Curious? come from? Was it The Guardian or The New York Times? I think it might have been The Guardian. I think it may have been. The Viking who lay it down probably gave his feces little thought, but more than a millennium later, it was, in its hardened form, a York Museum's most treasured excrement. So what you're, what you're saying there is they have other excrement. Yes. But this is their most treasured one. The golden turd. The others are just second class excrements. <laughs> That's this right. Is, this is the, this is they're, the, they're the all golden number egg. Two. They're, it's the number one, number two. Come, the number one, <laughs> number two. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? So let me get this right. When you're defecating tomorrow morning and it floats out on Lake Superior and it's going to be a danger to shipping, it's got corn in it and you've put an American flag in it. At some point in a millennia's time, that's going to be in a museum. Yeah. It's every possibility. I would take more care over how that comes out then, is what I'm saying. You want to take a bit more care and maybe, you know, dot an I or two. Do you know there what I'm saying? Go. School parties visiting the Archaeological Resource Centre would admire the artifact in a way that only children could. And all was well until two weeks ago when it display stand exploded well the display stand collapsed in the hands of an unfortunate <laughs> teacher <laughs> and it crashing to the floor the rock-like lump broke into three pieces oh no <laughs> and in the middle they found corn that hadn't been chewed a reconstruction job oh, no. is now underway to glue the viking feces back together again dad what, did what you would be your job title for that job crap uh, sticker Oh, Dad, what did you do at work today? I glued a Viking turd back together. Do you think they had to put it like a jigsaw puzzle? Well, it, go, it goes into that. Let me lick it and stick it back together. Oh, Named the Lloyd's Bank turd after its discovery in 1972 on a dig uh, that on land that was now occupied by Lloyd's TSB Bank in York, it is considered to be one of the largest complete example Largest. of preserved human excrement ever he, found i like this viking taking a squat has dug a hole and then you know he sat there reading the paper working out his week's viewing hadn't you know obviously gone for a long period of time gil snape a student conservator on the placement with the york archaeological trust who will assist in the operation 
said that the natural placement of the organic matter with minerals, a type of fossilization process known as mineralization, had given a remarkable weight to the long and fat deposit. There's a remarkable weight. So it just went bloop and disappeared. You didn't, long, didn't even have big. to flush it. It just went yeah. bloop, gone. Well, first, I have another question on that paragraph. Why would you give your name if you're going to be the one gluing the turd? <laughs> yeah, my name's John. I'm the turd gluer. Oh, God. Whoever passed it probably hadn't performed for a few days, shall we say. I did say that earlier. See, I'm psychic. He was reading the paper and working out his week's viewing. <laughs> it wouldn't be a paper back then. It would be like a stone tablet, wouldn't it? Can you imagine the paper boy's got a double hernia? <laughs> he can only carry one stone tablet at a time. Uh, he was not a great vegetable eater. Instead, living on large amounts of meat and grains such as bran, despite fruit stones, nutshells, and other stools containing matter of vegetables, such as leeks being found on the same site. Hamburgers and leeks. So this was a very isolated incident. So they found other Number vegetable two. matter on the site, but this uh, particular uh, other gentleman. Turds, other turds that had other, vegetables. But this guy didn't have vegetables did in it. So somehow vegetables. or another, during this period of history, an American's come over, is what you're saying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or they went to the buffet where there is no vegetables. Or they went to the casino buffet where there's not a vegetable to be seen. <laughs> we have beans, though, sir. <laughs> yes, but that's a pulse. It's not a vegetable. <laughs> Evidence of several hundred eggs left in the feces would have meant that his stomach and intestines would have been full of worms. Blech. Oh. Um, and... The last sentence is... Oh, there is an end to this story, is there? I was losing the will uh, to live. Snipe actually said uh, this guy had very itchy bowels. Oh, so he would have rubbed himself on the grass like a doggy. Yeah, because he had worms. Oh, that's not good, is it? But it it meant for a nice solid two. Did it? Oh, well, I'm pleased you brought (laughs) that up for us. I'm glad we're ending the show on a high. I have a story here that says mum left mortified after new driving license labels her as sex predator. A mum in the States was mortified when she noticed her new driving license had categorised her as a sex offender. The documentation in the US routinely carries additional information about the driver, such as organ donation or previous offences. Mum of two, Tammy Lee Masters, has recently received a new license from the Department of Motor Vehicles, but barely checked it when she picked it up. But she began receiving strange looks from staff when she produced the ID over the counter and had the shock of her life when she glanced down at the bottom right-hand corner. Instead of the words organ donor, it read sexual predator. The wrong type of organ donor, then, I'm suggesting. The embarrassed driver from Orlando... Florida told local <laughs> news stations I looked at the license I looked in the corner then I saw the sexual predator on there Lee Masters who has no criminal history said she only noticed the sexual predator label when she went to court over a traffic ticket she now wants the DMV to introduce safeguarding measures to ensure it doesn't happen to other drivers they need to be able to push more than one button to label somebody that it should be more of a process she said mrs lee master's lawyer john phillips said he knows of at least three other examples of similar driving license mistakes he said the state is basically adjudicating people the worst thing you can call someone a child molester this reminds me of a story from britain a couple of years ago now the most wanted person in the whole of britain for driving offenses was a polish gentleman his name was pravo jazdy 
And all of the police departments in Britain were after this guy who had broken so many traffic offences. It was incredible. Thousands upon thousands of speeding tickets, parking offences, driving irregularities from Poland. Because we can drive in any other European nation country on our driving licences. I have a European driving licence. It turns out, unbeknownst to the police department, that the Polish word for driving licence is Pravo Jazdy. So they'd written down the Polish name for driving licence. So this guy, Pravo Jazdy, was the most wanted man in the whole of the British Isles for Polish driving offences, and it was actually the Polish name for driving licence. And I just thought I'd share that information with you. It makes me laugh. <laughs> it's a joy, isn't it? I just wonder how many Polish drivers have got away with saying that's their name, showing them the driving licence in Polish, and the police have gone, all right, then, and written their name down. It's fabulous. That's terrible. Absolutely love it. Kim, what have you got for me to round off tonight's show in the round of Not For Your Mother? Tragic man hangs himself because his penis was too big after enlargement operation. Oh, that's the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I've thought about suicide a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut on that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nothing needs to be said. I just need to ring the bell and there needs to be silence. Ready? Kim, do continue. <laughs> the 45-year-old, known, known only as Sua, recently had an injection to increase the size of his manhood, according to reports. What if he just uses the first eight inches? It is claimed his wife stopped sleeping with him after the surgery because his penis was too big. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're certainly getting an insight here into one or two things, aren't we, ladies and gentlemen? The well-hung man was found dead at work last week with bottles of alcohol by his side. Well-hung man is the guy that runs my local Chinese restaurant. You can't say that. (laughs) His wife claims Sua was an alcoholic and often hallucinated about the people above. Oh, ghosts and ghoulies. Cops in Chiang Mai, That's another one, Chiang Mai. I know him. Allegedly ruled the case a suicide without determining the motive. Oh. That's too bad. Poor man. I want to see the chalk outline they did on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I know. Good times. (laughs) Well, all good things must come to an end. (laughs) So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter with the dead battery, unfortunately it's Greg who has scored just a singular one and lonely point. I'm in second place on five points, and there is a tie for the lead. Six points to Heather and six points for Kim, which requires us to use a tiebreaker question, which Greg must not answer under any circumstances. (laughs) First person to shout out, what was the name of the president of the Space Museum? Mars. There you go. Kim has won tonight's show, and she will now be presented. Charlie Mars. (laughs) It will now be presented with the 33 thousand dollar ir camera do not fear listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee 
underscore tips and we have 55,000 followers on there at the moment you're welcome to join us for all the fun and frivolity that is the twitter account if you go to soundcloud now soundcloud.com and type in mqta radio you can listen to last week's episode in an extra 20 to 25 minutes which we couldn't possibly say live on air on darkmatterradio.net so if you go there you shall receive more information and madness in a round that is called not for your mother my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter nathan bush heather morris Shaton drainer kim and greg gore and all at the international paranormal society at intparanormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the lakes area paranormal interest group and mufon of minnesota it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting good night 